God is good, y'all. God is good. How many of y'all are just happy to be here in the presence of brothers and sisters? I am too. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. As always, it started kind of snowing this morning, and I'm like, oh, I'm not really worried about it. God's got this thing covered. Um, last week, we had a little bit of that, but God is good. God is good, y'all. I'm going to take a little time to pray. Um, Father God, just honor you today. Honor you, Father. This world is yours, Lord, and everything in it. Thank you, God, for this moment you've given us to be together, to worship together, to fellowship. Thank you for making this real to us, God, uh, for helping us to understand you. And for those that don't understand you or don't know you, I'm praying this message today would penetrate the hearts. For those that have known you for a long time, been walking with you, I'm praying the words would be a confirmation and and an empowerment to their hearts, God. Direct these words, Lord. We just give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I was just thinking about this message. Um... As I was writing it, going through the notes and things like that. And, you know, telling your testimony is one thing. You can, you know, just shoot it. But there's some specific things the Holy Spirit gave me that I want to make sure I stay on track with. Um, because this message needs to, you, you need to hear what I'm saying. He said take notes, really. There's going to come a point in this, in this message. I'm going to tell you, make sure you get these notes down. Um, just as a reminder to you. The Word is what we use to get our, our encouragement, our empowerment, our uplifting. All week we dive into the Word. But I think these, these notes are going to go hand in hand with what you can have this week to, to encourage you. So as I was thinking about this, this whole thing, came back to a story in my mind, in my life, when I was growing up. We're in the Christmas season. And this season, for some people, it makes them upset because they, you know, their spirit is not right with Jesus, and so they don't like all the, all the stuff, and they want to come at believers and say, why are you celebrating that pagan holidays and all those things? But it got me thinking about how my parents raised me, which I loved, because they got us in the spirit of what it's really about, what we celebrate for, Jesus, and what he came to do about his, his coming to earth, you know, in that manger. And, and so my parents would set up in our house. We had a huge high ceiling. They would get a real pine tree that was like 12 feet tall. And I remember walking in, and you said, I'm not exaggerating. It was 12 feet tall in this house. And so my mother and father, they would take it, and they would decorate it, and they had the angel on top, and they had all the little things going around it. But for each thing they put on that tree, they made sure to let us know what it represented in the faith. They gave us reminders of how this applied to our faithful life. And so my parents, they would do that. I'd walk in the house, you smell this fresh pine that's just hitting you in the face, and you're getting these colors, and you got the Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you. So you got all this stuff going, and, and, and we didn't really play that a lot of times. We had all kinds of music going. And so we had a fireplace right there, and I just can picture it walking in this place. And I, I love that memory, because I even can smell the pine a little bit right now. But underneath the tree were gifts right? There were gifts, all types of gifts. One of the gifts would be something I really wanted. I remember I was about 12 years old, and I asked for a PlayStation. And this PlayStation I asked for was the old version, the first one that came out after the Nintendos. It was gray, had a round top, and you had to hit it sometimes to get it to play. Some of y'all know about that. Some of the younger ones might not know about that PlayStation, but I loved it, right? But also there were some other gifts my mother and father put in there. They had saw me all year and watched me. They knew I ran out of deodorant. They knew that my feet had holes in my socks sometimes. They knew that I needed a new toothbrush. So my mother and father just didn't always give me what I wanted. They would give me what I needed. My mother and father would give me mature gifts. They didn't always just give me the toys and all the junk, a bunch of candy to make my teeth go bad, but they would put some cologne in there. They'd put some socks in there. They would put some deodorant in there because they knew I needed that. So to bring that all home, God has called us to be the mature gift to a great city called Kansas City. New City Church is called to be that mature gift. 
But in order to be that mature gift, you must first know the gift giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in order to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to search his word. You have to know his word. And once you know his word, and this is a confirmation for some of y'all, y'all know this. In order for you to know who Jesus is, you have to receive the gift that only he can give, the greatest gift. And that gift is known as the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. We're going to dig into the gift, the Holy Spirit, the mature gift, because God wants to give Kansas City a very mature, strong, and powerful gift. God doesn't want to give Kansas City an immature gift, so we're going to dig into this, because we are the gift. You are the gift. I am the gift. All of us, we are the gift, and it's not because of us, but because of that Holy Spirit. So I want to show you this interesting question that I found in Acts 19, and I'm not going to speak on it just yet, because I have a few other things I want to talk about before we get to that. But Acts 19 and 2, you could turn to it in your apps, your phone, your tablet, highlight it if you have the Bible app, and you can highlight it. Make sure you highlight it if you have your, your old Bible and your highlighter marker. Make sure you highlight that Acts 19 and 2, because you're going to go back to that. And in the book of Acts, we start with the, the after Jesus had already ascended into heaven. For those of you that don't know the story of Jesus, I got two scriptures that came to mind this morning to talk about it quickly. The wages of sin is death. We're born into sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The second scripture is this, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that really wraps up what happened right before Jesus told his disciples after 40 days where he walked around, when he rose again, he rose out the grave. He had been crucified and killed for our sins. The wages of sin is death. And then he went and he died, John 3, 16. He gave his life for us because God so loved the world, right? Then he rose and he walked around for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was doing great things. At one time, 5,000 people saw Jesus at one, in one setting. And so Jesus did great things and showed up to people and showed out and did all kinds of amazing things in that timeline. Then he came to the disciples and said, if I don't go, then the helper won't come. I have to send you the helper, right? So he begins to ascend, and there's a little time period where they're kind of questionable on what's going to happen. They're like some of us, once we receive God, okay, what's next? They're hungry. They're scared. Because the one he just went, just imagine how they felt, right? They weren't mature just yet. They couldn't go be the gift to the world because they hadn't received the gift just yet. So then all of a sudden they go to Pentecost and some great things happen. And Acts, Pentecost hits. People are, things are happening. And, and the Holy Spirit hits and you know it's very plain and clear, right? And then they go and they start sharing the goodness with the world. So in Luke 1 through 15, I believe, it talks about 1 through 15, not 1 and 15. 1 through 15, it's a lot of they and, and them, and he, and we, and all, it's just a lot of that. But through uh, 16 on through, you see a lot of the language change, and it turns, right? It starts going to we, and us, and things like that, right? It's no more talking about what was happening. He starts talking about are, are things that already happened, but things that are happening right at that right moment, and Luke transitions and goes into that. And so before we read, before we read this question, I want to just do one more thing. I want to divine, define reality. And so some of you all have a historic background of the Holy Spirit. Some of you all grew up in church and you know all the jargon. You know the words and the language and the definitions. Some of you all don't have a clue what I'm talking about when I mention Holy Spirit. I don't know if there's anybody in this room that's that way. But I want to make sure I cover all my bases. Some of you all have come from a faith tradition. And you have a lot to learn about what the Bible says. But before we can get to the question that's posed in the scripture that is not up there yet, thank God. Instead of give it away, before we pose that, we all have to confess on ourselves that at one point in time, 
we did not have a great understanding of how the Holy Spirit would come to us. We didn't really understand the Holy Spirit. We heard it from somebody, from a TV preacher or from a preacher at our church, or, and, we, and we took their word for it. Whether the pastor was genuine or whatever it may be, we didn't read it for ourselves, right? I have to confess, when I was growing up, I, I didn't really know for myself. Yes, I saw the word, but then I would kind of backtrack and go in here. Okay, this is what the preacher said I'm supposed to do. I saw what it said, but here's what, here's what the preacher said do. And after that confession, once we've confessed that, and we've all come to that place where we understand that we've possibly done that at some point in our walks, then we can begin to go forward in the truth, right? So after confession, this is the question that comes. This is the hard stuff, right? 19 and 2, Acts 19 and 2. Then he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. This is where it gets hard, and I want to read that one more time. Then he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I said it before, this is where it gets hard. We are the gift, the mature gift, and who want to walk in the power of God. We have to know that we've received the Spirit of God. So every time I look in Scripture, every time I'm searching it and I'm reading Acts and I'm reading the things that happen, I notice that something happens when they receive the Holy Spirit. This is in the Word. I notice that something happened every single time a person received the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about what people have said nowadays since the New Testament has been written a while and we've kind of faded away from the Scripture. I'm talking about what happened in the Word of God. Something happened, all right? In the Bible, when the Holy Spirit shows up, people know it. Something happens, and when Paul asks this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, what is Paul asking? He's asking this. What happened when the Holy Spirit showed up? And the question that came to my mind was a song that my mom wrote years ago. Did he show up and show out for your life? Did you notice him show up and show out? Did you notice any change in your actions and the things that you were doing? Did you notice that? Did you notice a change in your heart and obedience? We're going to get to some of those points, but that's the question he asks. And I'm about to go ahead because it's so rich and it's so good to me. i got to kind of pump the brakes. I want to make sure I get there right. So there are seven words used in Scripture. Seven words. Seven words. Seven phrases for what the Holy Spirit does. One, the Holy Spirit is given. This is what happens when he shows up. The Holy Spirit is given. The Holy Spirit falls on people. The Holy Spirit comes upon people. The Holy Spirit is poured out on people. People receive the Holy Spirit. People are baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are filled with the Holy Spirit. And from all of these come experiences that happen from those moments. This is where you want to take your notes. So if you miss those six things, don't miss this next list of six things, okay? Those are seven things. Don't miss this list of six things. Six more things. These are experiences. Six different experiences. One, when that happens, when the Holy Spirit shows up, right, people either begin to speak in other languages we're not talking about faking it. When I grew up, there were some segments of my friends around me that would fake it so they could show the pre preacher that they had the spirit. They'd say, bye, 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 show, show. And, and I've read there's sometimes people found that those words, that even people that weren't faking, they actually had some meaning. I don't want to go that far. But I want to talk about the real way it happened. When they spoke those different languages right there in Acts, people out there said, how do they know our language? Like, how, how do they know what we're saying? So we're not trying to go outside and say what could be happening now. We're talking about what happened in Scripture. So people spoke in different languages. People speak of future events, prophecy. I, uh, 
had a specific instance happen to me, and I'll, I'll have a chance to share it one day. And it was, it was right there. So you may have experienced that. That might, be, might have been something that happened to you when the Holy Spirit hit you. You might have had something that God put on you from the future. And you say, well, how, why would God give future events to you when he says that there shouldn't be psychics, right? Well, we're not talking about the same avenue because if God gives the vision, if God shares the future, that's fine because God decided to share it. What God told you to do is don't go on your own, in your own will, in your own timing, trying to seek and find the future. You're going to the hand some person to get out what's happening. You're in demonic territory. God has called us to be focused on him. He gave Joseph the vision for the future. He told Moses what was going to happen. When Moses went to Midian, he told him, you're going to go and tell Pharaoh, let your people go. We're not, we're not always going to follow where God tells us, but God is going to give us that direction. So prophecy, God, he spoke future events. He speaks future events when he comes on you. For some of you, remember, this is a gift. So he may give you this one. He may not. I didn't particularly have the tongues openly with people, but in my private places, I have my own experience in my worship, and I'll let you think about what you want to think about. People praise and worship when they receive the Holy Spirit. They praise and they worship. Write that down. That's another one. Number four, and that's kind of obvious. We just did it. Come on, we got one of the best praise and worship leaders in the country, right? No, in the world. And he looks good, too. And he, he look, I saw him this morning, and I said, maybe I, when I go great, I might look good. My goodness. My wife might even like it. You know what I'm saying? Because if, if the wife say turn that color, I'm turning that color. <laughs> so people become bold in witness. Hey, thanks for laughing. Watching. People become bold in witness to the things of God. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. <laughs> people become bold in witness. And I want to say it again because I want to make sure I know I'm serious. Number four, people become bold in witness to the things of God. I told the testimony two weeks ago. When, I got, when the Lord came on me in fourth grade, Oh, man, I grabbed that Bible and that suit and had no clue what I was doing, but it was like, let's go. We're going to talk about the Lord. And it wasn't a pride. It was like, man, the Holy Spirit was on me. Has, the, has that experience happened? Obedience. Now you're like, I got to walk with the Lord because if it hasn't happened, we want to talk about what you need to do there. Number five, people are obedient. The obedience, bringing the word, going forward, came from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit that drove me to do that. Number six, miracles are performed. I have a specific story. Some people say, that doesn't happen nowadays for myself. <clears throat> I had seven people witness what happened to me years ago. And this is, it's, it's still amazing every time I mention it. I don't know why God did it at that moment, but God did it. Really, really weird. Um, doesn't always happen like that, but that moment it happened. I remember, uh, and this is saying miracles are performed at that moment. But I want to talk about a miracle that happened to me real quickly. I, was, I hit my head on a fireplace playing hide and seek with a bunch of almost grown people when I was about 13. And these older cousins of mine would run around the house in total dark. We're playing. I hit my head on this brick fireplace and put a hole in my head that needed stitches immediately. I got some scars on my hand right now that haven't healed, and they've been there for like five weeks, months. They've been there for a long time. This particular night, I was terrified. Didn't want my parents went home. I was afraid they were going to get taken into custody or something like DFS was going to come pick us up. And I was terrified, so I began to go up to the bathroom and pray. Put some oil on my head. For some reason, God did a miraculous thing. I woke up the next morning, and the scar that I have right now, the scar that I still have right now that you can't see, that if you come close to me after service just to check it, you'll see it. There's a scar, and it looked just like that the next morning I got up. My dad had come and said, man, you need stitches, man. I don't know why God did that at that particular moment, but I was walking in his will at that time, so maybe there was something he wanted to prove to me and show me at the time, that he still works in miraculous ways. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen for you. I'm not saying that God's going to do that in your case, in your scenario, but I'm saying there are signs that are shown when people receive that power of the Holy Spirit, and that is one of them. So if you got all six of those, 
Go study the scriptures and let those be a blessing to you for the rest of this week. See, our experiences are evidence because God's word says. Our experiences are evidence because God works. So if your brother, your family, your sister, if they're giving you some other type of word or some other type of faith or something like that, because that's not validated by the word of God, I can't call that truth. See, two plus two equals four. If I punch you in the face, I promise you it's going to hurt. I promise you. I lift for that reason. Not to do damage, but if I do it, if I have to, I have to save my wife and my family. I, it's a truth that that's what's going to happen. You understand what I'm saying? I'm getting to the point of this. You can talk about truth, but there's a truth that God has given. And you have to take that truth from the word of God and apply that to your experiences in life. So to finish up, we're almost done. We're wrapping it up. Let me get back to the gift that my parents gave me, which was amazing. When they gave me these gifts and I opened them, I hated them. I didn't want cologne. I didn't want socks. I didn't want that belt. But guess what? My belt was messed up. It was broke. It wouldn't hold my pants up anymore. My socks, I needed them so I could walk around. They knew I was going to take my shoes off at someone's house. And someone was going to see the holes and people were going to say, their parents get them good socks. They knew I needed the toothbrush. My parents gave me the mature gift because they knew the mature gift was going to help me. Kansas City needs the mature gift of New City because Kansas City needs something they don't know that they need. They may want things, as we see, obviously there's a lot of death that, that Kansas City seems to want, especially in the community of the church that I'm pastoring. There's a lot of that going on, a lot of people being put away. It's a lot of things happening around. So they don't necessarily maybe know what they want, but God wants to give them what they need through what New City is doing, through the love, through the joy, through the fruits of the Spirit that come through our fellowship, fellowships all around. So if God has called you to be the gift, you need to be the mature gift. Maybe not because you necessarily want to be, but because the Holy Spirit has put it in your heart to go forward and to be the gift. Your experiences are going to show you that God is working in your life. And if those experiences are exploding, people around you are going to be affected by the experiences because God is the one doing them, not you. If you're moving in your own power, you will not see the power in the presence of God moving upon the things you're doing. There won't be the results of God's hand. It'll be the results of your hands. Things will be a lot harder when it's you. So I want to challenge you in this way. If you know God has moved in your heart and he's working, these guys are going to be playing some music when I get done. I challenge you to worship. Praise and worship if you know that God has moved. Give God that gift back. Lift your hands. Give God some praise. Go Get quiet. Sit there. Put your head down and just think on the good things God has done. I'm not asking you to do it now, but make sure you praise and give God some praise. If you don't know if the Holy Spirit has moved on your heart, I want to challenge you to ask God to reveal Holy Spirit to you. And even more so, more important than I want you to, and that's prayer right there because you're praying when you're talking to him. You're communicating. I want you to communicate with someone, with a close person, an elder. And I want you to talk to the elder and ask him, you know, could you, could you pray for me? Or, or somebody that's close in your life that you have a relationship with. We're all about relationships here in New City. Discipleship, it, it takes relationships. So get with that person you have a relationship with and ask them, hey, could you pray for me? I don't feel the power of the Holy Spirit in my life right? Let's make sure we do that. And I want to end with this thought from theologian John Piper. John Piper says this, there's a promise in Acts 1 and 8 that when the Spirit comes upon us, we will receive power. And in this power, we will be able to evangelize the whole world. That promise is made to everybody on whom the Holy Spirit comes, not just a few. Before we can be the gift, we have to have the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I gave you the two challenges, praise and worship, honor God. When the music hits, give God a praise. Second challenge, if you don't know the spirit, find an elder and ask them to pray for you 
as my brothers are playing. It'll be a good time to do it. People will be standing, lifting their hands. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Nobody's looking at you. So if that's you and you just know, I'm not gonna, I feel like I've, I've accepted Jesus a long time ago, but I need his power. Pray and ask God that he would let his power come on you so you can begin to walk in his power. God bless you today.